Welcome in. Happy Monday. I got to tell you, I had a very proud dad moment this weekend. Um, so Jake uh, uh, is in, he's in soccer right now. And uh, I don't know how to put this nicely. Uh, Jake is, he is no Lionel Messi. <laughs> he's, he's not Cristiano Ronaldo, okay? I don't, I don't see a long career in playing soccer for, for Jake. But here's what he did break out. Brian, Danielle, here's what he broke out this weekend. My man started trash talking. Started trash talking the other team. And what does a five-year-old say when he trash talks? So I'm just curious. Jake is, uh, he and, and his, they are the green team. Yeah. They have like forest green jerseys. Okay. Uh, and the team they were playing, they were in the black team. And Jake's trash talk was, are you ready for this, black team? You ready? You ready for this? By the way, he can't back any of this up. He's relying totally on his teammates to carry him the rest of the way. But the coaches were like, he's got the trash talking down. Did they win? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. There's not really a win loss. They're five. What? But okay. he, he won the trash talk battle. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, it's like, you know, like Darren McCarty was never like the greatest hockey player, but there is a there is a role for that. Absolutely. He's the enforcer. That's Jake. <laughs> Jake is the enforcer. Were the, that, other, were the other team's feelings hurt badly? Were they I, ready for this? Uh, they were not ready for it. <laughs> Thanks to Jake's teammates. Who scored all the goals? Thanks to Jake's trash talking, Thanks he to, brought they, their morale. I down. mean, look, it's it goes hand in hand. Absolutely, you you, you, you get them, you chirp before <laughs> the game, and you they get you get in your. Did we get an extra special treat after the game? Was Dad super proud? So we got some ice cream or something. You, you can have whatever you want. <laughs> just whatever you want. Just keep the trash talk coming. Just buddy. keep it going. <laughs> keep it going. That's great. Although well when done. you do lose, your teammates are going to be like Jake. Can you please? <laughs> I mean. There's only so much we can do here. Apparently they were ready for it this time. <laughs> yeah, right. That was a proud dad moment. Um, meanwhile, talks between the UAW and the Big Three continue day 11 today of the strike. Uh, and you've got Joe Biden, Donald Trump set to visit this week. Uh, you remember back on Friday, they targeted an additional, the UAW, 38 GM and Stellantis parts distribution centers in 20 different states. After striking just one facility for each company uh, two weeks ago when the or almost two weeks ago when the, the the strike first started. So the president will be here on Tuesday, tomorrow. Donald Trump will be here on Wednesday. We'll get into more of that coming up in just a couple of minutes. Those negotiations, meanwhile, are continuing. Also, coming up at 218, we're going to talk about the Michigan GOP's 35th Mackinac Republican Leadership Conference. Now, there was a lot of infighting, which, along with the severe lack of funding, seems to be the largest fissure between the different factions of the MIGOP. Now, this year's installment at the Grand Hotel, you got Christina Caramo, the party chair, telling her critics to pound sand. You've got Representative Neil Frisky out of Charlevoix saying that Republicans either stood with the 16 people who signed a false certificate of of electors, the, 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 the alternate electors, saying that Trump won in 2020 or they stood with Democrats. 
You've got a lack of cash flow. I don't. Last time I knew, they had under a hundred thousand dollars in their coffers. They spent roughly uh, anywhere between five and seven hundred thousand dollars on this event. So how it how they were able to do it, I don't know. Hopefully, we'll get some answers. We'll talk to Jamie Rowe coming up at two eighteen. You also have union leaders in Hollywood studios reaching a tentative agreement yesterday to end the screenwriter strike after about five months. I didn't realize this had been going on for five months. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. But the deal isn't done, but they've, they've come to this agreement tentatively. You've got the Writers Guild of America, WGA, announcing the deal in a joint statement with the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers. They represent studios. They represent streaming services and production companies. So this is a big deal. If if you were somebody who was worried about AI taking over this portion of the industry, um, this is a, a, a sign of good news. So we'll continue to follow that. I am a little interested to see how this deal is structured, what they get, um, but we'll we'll await the details of that uh, until they make it public. Um, in the meantime, day eleven of the UAW strike. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne here to report and, and says that there are several developments this week that could impact these talks. And she joins us. Hi, Marie. Hi there, Chris. Yeah, this, as you said, day 11 of the strike and, and the effects of the strike are spreading. So here's one, just one example. Eagle Industries, a Wixom-based automotive supplier, announced it's going to lay off about 75% of its 230 workers this week. They're blaming the UAW strike. These workers will join hundreds of others around the country that are all out due to a shortage of auto parts. Also happening this week, Canadian workers, members of Unifor, have voted to approve an agreement with the Ford Motor Company. The three-year deal does include the single largest negotiated general wage increase in the history of Unifor. They used to be the Canadian auto workers. This agreement was hammered out with Ford, and it is a pattern for all the other automakers in Canada. Not known if this will have an effect on any of the negotiations that are happening here in the U.S. UAW Sean, uh, President Sean Fain announcing that the strike would expand to 38 General Motors and Stellantis facilities uh, around 20 states. He did that on Friday, and it's definitely happening. Ford not targeted, though, in the strike expansion. Fain said the UAW had made significant progress in their negotiations. And finally, Chris, politics will play a big role in the strike this week. President Biden will be joining striking workers here in the Detroit area tomorrow. We don't have his schedule yet. We're expecting it to actually any time uh, in the next couple of hours. Now, also, former President Trump is expected to address about 500 former or current union members at 8 o'clock on Wednesday at the Drake Enterprises in Clinton Township. Trump repeatedly expressing that the auto workers uh, should reject the push to electric vehicles, saying that the production of EVs will cause them to lose their jobs. As we know, this is something, a big initiative with the Biden administration. Also, while Trump is here in Michigan, clearly he will not be participating in the latest GOP debate scheduled to take place at the same time. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I do wonder how much that Unifor deal in Canada is going to, I don't know, force the hand is right on, on Sean Fain, but, but I, I do wonder what impact that has. 
You know, it's it's hard to tell. However, in the past, when this is, you know, years ago, when these kinds of negotiations generally a good precursor. Right. It was. It was a good omen. Right. But um, I just think we're dealing with a totally different animal here. And I'm not I don't mean that uh, specifically of Sean Fain. I just mean of the whole negotiation process and the way it's the tenor of these talks. So I I just don't think we can uh, infer anything on on this. Here's what I'm here's the, the concern I have. And this is the concern for the rank and file is how realistically. How much are these auto companies going to come up? Like, let's say, let's say the 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 big sticking points here are tiers, and and hourly wage. How much are they going to come up? And is it really worth the extra three percent, four percent, you know, five percent? If if these talks go on and more locations are added to the growing list, I, I do wonder if if it is just a waiting game for the big three to say, well, here's our offer. And you 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 can't do this forever. So I, I do I do wonder what that that line is where Sean Fain will won't cross. Mm-hmm. Right? At what number is it that they won't that they can't pass up the deal. And if they do, how does the rank and file view that? That's the where is the line in the where sand? Is the we line? don't we don't know right now. But nothing that Sean Fain has done or how this has happened so far is anything that we've seen before. So your guess is as good as anybody's. We'll continue to watch it, Marie. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Is the Michigan GOP in trouble? It's a question I have for you. It's a question I have for Jamie Rowe. We'll talk to him next on JR Afternoon. So here's my question for you. Generally, every other year when the Michigan GOP holds their annual gathering in northern Michigan, the leadership conference, it's, it's always a coming together, or at least it has been in years past, a coming together of cooler heads to plot the path forward, to plot the path to the midterms or to the general presidential election. And there's always a game, a, 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 a coming. It's 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 gathering everybody together to come up with a game plan. And it almost seems like, from my perspective, five thousand foot view, that there are fractions of the Republican Party that aren't participating. There are fractions of the Republican Party that don't want to participate, and. Because they don't have a they don't have a place in this Michigan GOP, and whether it's your chair, Christina Caramo, telling people who aren't with her to pound sand, you've got you've got other people talking about sticking with the false slate of electors, or if not, you're a Democrat. Um, it it, it is a very interesting time, and the and the, the list of speakers, the list of people who attended that conference. Whether it was Kari Lake or Dinesh D'Souza or the dude from that movie or, you know, I, like whatever, like I, you, Vivek Ramaswamy was there. It, this is not your traditional list of high ranking Republicans that are going to be in major office or major seats in the next cycle. And, and this is a huge problem, I think, for the party.
when you're locking a whole group out, it can be very difficult to rally the troops and lead to victory. Jamie Rose, the founder and partner of Team Rowe, uh, and joins us. Jamie, it's good to have you. What did you make of this conference? Is this is this was this a a, a can't miss event? Ask Chris, and thanks for having me on. Um, I actually got my start working in the Michigan Republican Party, and uh, being one of the staffers that helped put on the conference uh, many many years ago. And I haven't missed it a long time. Um, I wasn't able to get there this year. Uh, Mackinac Conference is always kind of a special thing where it's, like you said, it's it's like a family reunion that we do uh, every other year. And it is disappointing to see what uh, happened this year with regard to the, the turnout, which I understand was somewhere around five, 600 people um, were there. And we usually have far more than that um but we have a new slate of uh leadership within the party uh that i don't think was completely up to the task that it takes to put on uh such a such an event but i will give them great credit because there were a lot of people who didn't think they would be able to pull it off at all and they did uh it wasn't what it's been in the past but uh it did occur, and from what I've heard from people who were up there, um, it was enjoyable to some degree. So I, I'm with you. I didn't know if this was going to be able to be pulled off either. How, how do you think they did it? I mean, the, the party is so strapped for cash. I, I think they had under $100,000 a few months ago. Like, wh- where did they get the money for this? I I just don't know. And, and, and those are one of the questions that I have of many for a party that is struggling to haul in dollars, I I don't know how you're going to be a relevant factor come next November. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing that's going to be relevant are going to be the Republican candidates who are on the ballot, because I think that we're going to see very tight, tough races, both for president, for uh, U.S. Senate, for uh, the State House of Representatives, in, in the congressional races, I think that we're going to have very competitive races. Now, the role that the party itself as an entity ends up playing in that in that in those contests is up in the air right now, because like, like you say, the the way that you build relevance as an entity is that you have to have resources in order to engage in the debate. And right now, I think that they have a bit of a steep hill to climb. Um, so that donors know that they can entrust the party with, with the resources and that they will be spent well. Now, I hope that they can, uh, and I know that they're trying. And I think the fact that they actually pulled off this uh, Mackinac Conference may be helpful uh, in, in, in that regard, but they got a lot of work to do still. This, is, this Michigan GOP is a much more you know, boots on the ground, grassroots type of, of vibe. And very much so. I, it, I, I guess my, my question is who needs to give, right? Does the party and the people running the party need to make room for others or do the, uh, those that are maybe on the outside looking in, um, you know, you, you've got different people asking, uh, Christina Caramo to to step down. You've got people saying that 
that this, you know, this 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 party is, you know, functionally bankrupt, uh, as as uh, Bree Magenberg wrote uh, to in Craig Mogger's piece in the Detroit News. Like, who needs to give? Does the party need to give to make room for others or does do do those others that are on the outside? Do they need to just understand that this is the new Michigan Republican Party and they either need to get on board or miss the bus? Where, where are we at with that? Yeah, one thing in, in this world is that nobody's entitled to anything. Just because you have won the position um, doesn't mean that you win the support of everybody who's in, involved in the process. So ultimately, Christina Caramo and, and her team are going to have to prove to uh, the donor community and to other activists across the state that they are worthy in investing and joining uh, with them in order to achieve victory at the polls. Otherwise, there's going to be other entities that are going to be out there helping to promote uh, Republican candidates and causes, and those are starting up as we speak and are very active as we speak. And ultimately, it isn't the party that drives turnout, it's the candidates. Now, and, and fortunately, particularly with, with a Senate candidate like a Mike Rogers, we are going to have somebody who uh, folks can rally around within this party and can help lead the victory. So I, I have a very strong feeling that that will happen. Now, whether the party steps up and is in, involved in that at the end of the day, remains to be seen. I, I, I hope that they can. I really hope that they can. And one thing that I think that we really have going for us right now is that the Republican National Committee is actually doing very well right now. They are being entrusted with the resources that we need to compete. The National Republican Senatorial Committee is being uh, provided the resources that we need to compete. The National Republican Congressional Committee and they all have a presence in the state right now, and they are all going to be engaged across the board. So whether it's done by the Michigan Republican Party or not, um, I think is less meaningful. I think it makes for good headlines for people who, mm -hmm. who may see someone like, like Christina is, is, can be colorful in the way that she uh, uh, expresses herself sometimes. But one thing, and I, and I do respect about Christina, is I do believe that she is uh, faithful to what she says. I mean, she, she believes what she's saying is the right thing, and there is a constituency for what she has to say. Ultimately, though, playing, the role that the party plays in the process is determined by the amount of trust that the people who help write checks and fund campaigns have in that organization. And they got some work to do to build that trust. Uh, I, I got about 30 seconds left here. In terms of the RNC, it sounds like they're going to confirm the the plan that the, the Michigan GOP had put out in terms of a primary and a caucus system. That was also yeah. a talk on, on the island. What do you make of that? I got about 30 seconds. Yeah, I think it's, it, it's fine. I think the plan is as, as good as it can be, uh, given the fact that the Democrats in Lansing have basically disenfranchised uh, Republican primary voters from being able mm. to participate fully in a primary. And that's on that's on the, the Democrats in Lansing. That is not on the Michigan Republican Party. I think they did the best they could with, with what they had to work with. Jamie Rowe with Team Rowe. Uh, appreciate the time and insight as always, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, you got it. Um, in the meantime, I, I want to hear from you. 800 859 
800-859-0 WJR, 800-859-0957. What do you make of the the Michigan GOP, the Michigan Republican Party? Uh, We'll get to your calls, your texts, give you some of my thoughts next as we continue on JR Afternoon. I feel like the situation that the Michigan GOP finds themselves in is a staring contest. And and everybody's holding their eyes open real big and the the, the tear is coming down because you're trying not to blink and the first person to blink loses. Like, I I understand that maybe the the current Republican format is different than what it was 10 years ago. I understand that maybe conservative values are at a much bigger uh, stage than what they were 20 years ago. But but understand that you can do what the Democrats have done, where you've got two different wings of the same party, but everybody generally is rowing in the same direction. Yes, you've got the AOCs and the Rashida Tlaibs and the fringe that just talk and talk and talk. But you just tune them out. At some point, the Republicans in this state have to come together. At some point, there has to be a a kumbaya around the campfire, people coming together and rowing in the same direction. Okay? And unfortunately, we're not seeing that right now. Because you've got the leader of your party telling other members of your party to pound sand. You've got other people saying that if you don't agree with the 16 slate of electors, you're just a Democrat. I mean, that's not healthy. And if if you truly are a Republican and you, tr- and this isn't even party specific, but the whole goal is to run and win. The whole goal is to run and win. And the Republicans haven't won. So I don't know what the platform is or what it should be, but I do know that this particular Republican leadership conference isn't what it has been in the past. There was no unification. It was a lot of finger pointing. It was a lot of of blaming and finger point. I just it to me that doesn't help. That doesn't get donors on board. That doesn't fire up your base. I don't know what the plan is. What's the plan for November next November? I mean we 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 are essentially 14 months away. What is the plan? You're, you're, you you don't have the money to be competitive and aid the candidates that will be on the ballot. And I don't know how many people in the party in Michigan really admire or respect what you're doing. And that's just for me talking to different people. So I'd love to hear from you. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. Eileen's in Clinton Township. Hi, Eileen. Hi there. Love your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, We haven't come to a divorce yet, but my husband and I represent the Republican Party. I want the party that has nothing to do with not face Trump. And he's a Trump guy. So um, I think myself, I'm probably just not going to vote this year if it's Trump and Biden. And I'll tell you why. To me, they're equally they're equally bad for different reasons. Well, first of all, you and your husband stayed married for as long as possible. Don't let this drive away. <laughs> Don't let it. Don't let it do it. But um, I hear you. And I think that's what I, I think that has to be one of the biggest issues that specifically Republicans are going to have to face. 
because they can't afford Eileen to have you sit on the sideline. They just can't. They cannot do it. So if it's if it's Donald Trump and Joe Biden, you're out. Yes, you're out. Who who do you want to who do you want to see in that spot? If you if you had your druthers, if you could call the shots, Eileen, who would you want there? In the Republican? Yes. Anybody but Trump, honey. Okay. All right. There's Eileen. Eileen, thank you. Appreciate you uh, calling in. Thank you. Uh, Barb's in Harrison Township. Hi, Barb. Hi. Hi. So um, I'm I'm active in the Republican Party, okay. and I think it's great. Um, I, we have people coming into the GOP in the 10th Congressional District all the time, mm-hmm. and um, they're happy with seeing that people are uh, they have a place to go that where people think like they do. They say that all the time, and um, uh, there ha- there are so many concerns that regular people, regular average Dick and Jane, uh, mom and dad, and grandpa and grandma, and even single people, everybody, um, that they're concerned about so many things that are happening in our society. Even if they don't have children, they're concerned about children, of course. So they're glad that they're with people who think like them. And um, we're at a very, I think, very critical, critical time in our history where um, we definitely have these concerns and people are wanting a venue um, to talk with people about it. To And that's why you're seeing so many um, citizens going to schools and um, doing other activities that are they're very worried about and very concerned about for so- their age group, other age groups. Yes, sir. So do you feel do you feel like the party with its current leadership is inclusive? Do you feel like they are welcoming of of everybody with that R in front of their name or or because, you know, like for me, Barb, I just wonder the impact that from what I've seen and heard and, and can tell, I wonder what the impact is if if they don't get an influx of money, then I don't know really what kind of cover that they can provide to Republicans on the ballot, and thus I don't know what they're good for. Do you know what I mean? Well, I see what you're saying. Um, people realize that that um, there are people who are questioning the Republican Party. That's usually because I believe they're being told wrong things about the Republican Party in general. Um, people think, well, uh, when you look at statistics, certain groups of people think, well, gee, you know, I don't think they're for me. But actually, the Republican Party is the party of freedom. The Republican, the Republican Party is the party that really cares about people. That's why they're so active in, in going out into the public and trying to talk to people. Now, do the door is always open. It's sure. No, and, and I don't think that the Republican Party and Barb, I appreciate the call. I don't know that they're not. I'm sure they're interested in wel- welcoming new people. I don't know that if they're if they're attracting the people that have the money that want to contribute to the cause. Barb is in Huntington Woods. Back to back Barb's. Hi, Barb. Oh, hello. Good afternoon. I caught the tail end of your interview 
And I have two comments related to that and your last uh, call in person. One, uh, when you asked your um, that Jamie Rowe rep- representative from the Republican Party, yes, about uh, Christine Caramo, it really sounded like he was making not so much even a veiled threat to her. You either get in line with us or you're going to have even more trouble. That's not the way to unite a party. And I feel that the Michigan GOP is old, dead wood. The people in power now in the party are not concerned with their constituents because if they are, most of us have not seen that. They are concerned with maintaining their position. They fall right in line with the Democrats. Mm. I am a conservative. I have a difficult time even saying that I am Republican. Um, this This woman prior to me talked about the Republican Party. It needs fresh blood. It needs people who are concerned with the constituents. I give money to individual people who are running. I will not give money to the GOP. All right, Barb. I appreciate the call, and this is this is this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is exactly it. the 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 divide in this party is so strong. I I, I truly believe it because I talk to a lot of different people and. This is a snapshot. This is a nutshell, I think, of what's going on in this party. We will get to more of your calls, your texts, coming up next, 1-800-859-0957. Also, special day here on WJR, WJR Cares Day. We'll talk about a very special event for you to contribute to next here on JR Afternoon. All right, if you're on the line, hold tight. We'll get to more of your calls coming up in just a moment. But I, I, I do want to put this out there because... Special day on WJR. Every once in a while, we bring you a WJR Cares Day. And and we are so thankful that our audience is so generous with their time and their money. Because when, when we sit here today, gas, rent, utilities, health care, food is all so extremely high. I mean, you've got people that have to decide whether they need to fill up their gas tank or eat or pay their rent or make sure they got electricity on because they are truly living paycheck to paycheck. And thankfully, we do have people in our community willing to step up. And when people need help, when they need a hand up, that's where places like the United Way step in. Crystal Johnson is the director of early childhood initiatives at Connect for Care Kids and joins us on this very special WJR Cares Day. Crystal, great to have you. Oh, thanks for having me, Chris. It's good to be here. Well, talk to me a little bit about Connect for for Care Kids and, and what the mission is. Great. Yes, Connect for Care Kids is our way of giving families access to finding affordable child care programs that are quality here in Wayne County. So if a family is looking for child care, whether they're just searching whether they want to know if they're eligible for um, a subsidized program or a free child care program, 
or whether they just want to get connected to a provider, connectforcarekids.org can do that for them. Families can go right online and they can use their phone if they like, or they can also call our phone number, 313-395-3776 to get connected to a child care provider in their area. You know, Crystal, I have I have two little kids. I have a five-year-old and an almost two-year-old. So mm-hmm. I, I, I know how expensive child care can be. And, and every parent wants the best for their children. And it, it can be incredibly deflating when, when you have to make tough choices on where your, your, your child is, is being cared for or what you need to allocate certain money on. And in partnership with the United Way, uh, the idea here is your donations are going to go towards programs like Connect for Care Kids. Uh, you can visit United Way SEM, stands for Southeast Michigan, UnitedWaySEM.org to donate. Or you can also text 50503 uh, to donate as well. The goal this year is to raise $45 million over the next year um, and get 45,000 hours of volunteering. And and in terms of Connect for Care Kids, what are the services provided if somebody's looking for for child care what 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 are the age uh, uh ranges and and what are people looking for specifically well chris you you know it since you have a five-year-old and a two-year-old you know exactly what uh, folks are looking for they're looking for a quality a high quality program somewhere where they can take their children where they know they're safe and they're learning and they're growing and they're thriving um, and a place that's also affordable because child care is one of the top barriers for families being stabilized because of the cost of child care, the exorbitant cost. So they're looking for affordable options. So they're looking for if they can find a program um, that provides subsidized care or accepts subsidized care and or if there are programs that are free like um, many of our um our early Head Starts, our Head Starts, and our GSRP, GSRP programs, Great Start Readiness programs. So they're looking for ways that they can find care, but find care at an affordable cost. I know the type of relief as a parent, what that feels like to 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 know that your 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 son or daughter is in a is in a place where they're learning and safe. The two things you mentioned. What yes. are the what are the reactions when when you talk to these parents? Um, to know that they are able to utilize this resource and get connected with, with, um, with a, a group that is able to care for their kids. What, what is the reaction? Uh, it, it's so refreshing for families. It's, it's a sense of relief to be able to know that you secure care somewhere and you don't have to worry about your young children. These are children ages zero to five. So they have to be in care somewhere in order for uh, parents and caregivers to be able to go to work every day. So um, it's a sense of relief to know I, I don't have to worry about my child. I can focus on going to work and, and coming home or going to school, doing the things that I need to do so that I can create a better environment for my family so that we can be, become more stable as a family and that everybody in the family can grow and thrive. It's one that's worried that you have. Yeah. It, it, it does eliminate that, that, that burden, that feeling of, well, yeah. what are we going to do with, you know, the, your, your son or daughter? What do, what do we do if all those questions kind of get relieved? If you have one message for people today, 
Um, what, what is that message? How, how, are, how are we able to help you? Uh, we're able to help by continuing with these funds. If we think about, as you mentioned that, uh, at the onset of this segment, the money that we're trying to raise, the $45 million, the securing the 45,000 hours this year for volunteer time, all of this matters. So just bringing awareness about this, raising the funds, and giving people a sense of hope, that there is hope out here. There are programs that are opening their doors, happy to have these little ones in, these families' most precious commodities in their programs to ensure that um, they do well so that the families in turn can do well. So there is hope, but we have to do it together. We have to do it as a community. We have to uh, really mobilize the caring power of all of southeastern Michigan and not just one individual that takes all of us. And now that includes Washtenaw County. And the best part is the, the, the donations that you give the United Way stay here. It helps people in our community, in this region, people who desperately need it to 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 alleviate some of that pressure, in this case, for their little ones uh, at home. Crystal Johnson, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you for everything you do, and, and we're we're wishing you the best on this WJR Cares Day. Thank you so much, Chris. Have a great day. Yeah, you do the same. That's Crystal Johnson with Connect for Care Kids uh, here on WJR. All right, I want to squeeze in a call here before we got to go to break. My question to you is, what are your thoughts on the state of the Michigan GOP? It seems very disconnected. You've got two sides of the fence, and there really hasn't been that kumbaya around the campfire to get everybody together and rowing in the same direction. Let's go to Dennis in Rochester Hills. Uh, I got about a minute for you here, Dennis. What's up? Dennis? Uh, All right, let's throw Dennis on hold. All right, Denise in Gaylord. Hey, Denise. Hello, how are you today? Thanks Good. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. Chris, I'll be quick. So I think that the Republican Party has lost sight as to what its true purpose is. And its true purpose is to elect Republicans. And activism can be done at a grassroots level, but at a party level, we have to focus on what's, what's at hand here. And that is I, I'm super, super important about flipping the Michigan House. We have mm-hmm. got to get the Michigan House back. And, and by, by the, the leadership telling those of us, and I'm a solid Republican, those of us, the, the leadership telling us as Republicans to go pound sand and we're not wanted, I, I don't know what that's going to do to help it us. Doesn't get you on board. It doesn't get you on board. It doesn't get you on board. It doesn't make you want to donate. It doesn't make you want to be a part of this. So you're, you're talking to somebody who's worn out probably 50 pairs of tennis shoes knocking doors. Mm. Um, I've not missed a leadership conference since 2005. I did. We, we went up on the island on Friday. Um, we saw a, a vec, and then yeah. we hopped on a ferry and came home. Well, D- Denise, I think your I, yeah, I think your feelings is is what a lot of people are feeling today. I appreciate the call. Got to take a break. We'll get to more of your calls and texts next in three o'clock hour. All right, welcome back. Three o'clock hour. I want to get you caught up on a couple of other things, but I just asked the question about your thoughts of the Michigan Republican Party. And and I thought Denise said it exactly right. The goal here is to win elections, period, end of story. And if you're not doing that, then you're not doing your job. And the Michigan Republican Party has done a poor job of that over the last couple of years. That's not even an opinion. That's fact. They haven't lost the house in 40 years. 
40 years, Democrats haven't had control of the state legislator, state legislature, and now they do. And you haven't done a good job of that. And now you're alienating people like Denise. But conversely, on the other side, if you are more of that grounds root, you know, boots on the ground minded person, well, then this is probably right up your alley. And if you are a a dyed in the wool conservative or Donald Trump supporter, then then this is your bread and butter. And unfortunately, I don't know if either faction of the party can survive without each other. I want to quickly sneak Gary and Howell in here before we move on. Hey, Gary. Hey, how are you doing? Good. I, uh, I, I've been listening to this. I'm driving out to Grand Rapids, and I've been listening to this as I'm going. And I've talked to a lot of people that are in the Michigan uh, Republican Party and actually in the House and the Senate out here. And some of the newer ones have got a lot of great ideas, but they're handicapped because they're, the senior people here have been here forever. And we're never going to change until we get term limits on both sides. Because everybody gets in here, they stay here, and then they handicap the new guys who got the new ideas, and they don't let them go. And nothing will move. So are you talking about at the federal level, Gary? Well, both. I mean, the federal so at the state, the, we do we, we, we do have term limits. I think it's, oh boy, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's 15 years you can serve in Lansing in the legislature, either all in the House, all in the Senate. But but I think it's 15 years. So that is capped. But 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 from a party perspective, you know, they they've. They haven't gotten it done. And Gary, I appreciate the call. And and I and and after this leadership conference on Mackinac Island where they where they probably spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, I, I don't know what was accomplished here that they're going to be able to roll into next year and provide cover, provide airtime, provide ad space to the members that are eventually going to be on the ticket, whether it's the president all the way down to whomever. I, I don't I don't know really what was accomplished here, aside from the grassroots folks like Christina Caramo, the chair of the Michigan GOP, alienating the other side. I, I don't know what was accomplished aside from that. And and I think it goes both ways. You had people asking for her resignation. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. All right. Uh, Talks between the UAW and the Big Three are ongoing today, the 11th day of the strike between the UAW and the Big Three. You've got Joe Biden, Donald Trump set to visit Michigan this week. Joe Biden on Tuesday, that's tomorrow. Uh, He'll join a picket line. And then you've got Donald Trump scheduled to be here in Clinton Township at an auto supplier on Wednesday, which are we going to be covering his uh, remarks Brian, we are. is that we the are. word we okay are. and that's for what time eight o'clock yeah the uh, as we as it stands right now as what we know right now because all of this is still yep in, up in the air uh donald trump will be speaking yep at eight o'clock or thereabouts yep we will carry that coverage we will carry trump's remarks mm-hmm. on the air 
then we will join the rest of the Republican debate in progress when it's over. Got it. All right. So there you go. So we're going to have it all for you here on WJR. Um, and, and, and I, you know, I think this is probably a good move for Donald Trump to seize on this opportunity. You know, he, he was quicker to pull the trigger than Joe Biden was. Then Joe Biden came out and said he's coming out. They're going to send him out there a day earlier, which makes sense. But these negotiations are going on. And, and as we talked about earlier, I don't know what that line is for the UAW to accept an offer from the big three. They have made competitive offers. While they may not be everything that Sean Fain is looking for, they have been competitive offers and big jumps in, in wages. So I don't know what that line is, but it's something that we're going to continue to watch. In the meantime, uh, we've long heard about the dangers of aspartame for pregnant women. But there's a new study that says pregnant breastfeeding moms should avoid the additive due to a link with autism. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne joins us with that story. Hi, Marie. And hi again, Chris. This research was done at the University of Texas Health Science Center, and it found that pregnant or breastfeeding women who consume diet soda and other foods with drinks containing aspartame could experience higher rates of autism diagnoses in their sons. They found that the mothers who had sons with the autism diagnosis were three times more likely to report drinking at least one diet soda. That's the equivalent of five packets of aspartame per day. The researchers are pointing out something important here. The study did not prove causality, but it does raise a major warning flag, they say. Also of note, the association to autism was for boys only, not for girls. The study looked at the mothers of 235 children who were diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. They compared those results to a control group of 121 children who had typical neurological development. The best choice of uh, to drink for women who are pregnant or lactating is water flavored with fruit juice, lemon, or mint. Experts have said that kids with autism might have an imbalance of certain chemicals in the brain, which could be triggered by aspartame. That is what they're specifically looking at here. Researchers say that it's best for women to stop consuming aspartame six months before getting pregnant. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I did a story on on this last week uh, where researchers at Florida State were looking into aspartame in, in mice. And there were three different groups of mice. Uh, there was a, a group that had uh, a, 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 the highest percentage of aspartame in their diet. Second had less, and the third had just water. And those mice with the highest levels of aspartame had a harder time completing tasks. Mm. They had a harder time finding uh, the answer to, to certain questions. They oftentimes needed help, or it took them longer to do things. And and as you went down, you saw less of it, right? The one, the, the the grouping that had less aspartame were able to do things a little clearer, and the mice that had no aspartame were able to do things exactly as they they should have. So, it, it, though it's not un, it's not out of the realm of thing. I think people thought this for a long time about these these altered sweeteners, but the 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 fact is that it can have such an impact on, in this case, pregnancy and children. Uh, little boys with autism, that that is frightening. It absolutely is. Now, again, you know, the, as we said, it didn't prove causality. In other words, they can't say, oh, aspartame causes this. However, this was enough 
evidence to show that there is some kind of link. They just can't figure out exactly what it is. It's also interesting to note that it only happened in the boys and not the girls, at least on this study. So that's interesting that they have to look at that. But and that the um, one drinking at least one diet soda is the equivalent of five packets of aspartame. Oh, my God. That's a lot in one drink. Have you seen those videos where they like distill down how much sugar is in a can of pop or um, whatever? It's, no, I haven't. Should I look at that no, or not? No, no. Just don't drink it. I mean, yeah, you know, drink it's it, right? just, it's, it's frightening. Yeah. Marie, thank you. Thank you. All right. We got to take a break. Uh, I am a big believer in this type of etiquette. We'll tell you what that is coming up next on JR Afternoon. By the way, Lions with a big, big win this weekend. Oh, tremendous bounce back for the Honolulu Blue and Silver. We'll talk about that coming up at 348. But I am a big believer in in phone etiquette. Brian, I here's here's my preferred way of communication. I prefer to text. Now, if you want to call me. We talk, great. I got no problem with that. Don't ever leave me a voicemail. <laughs> ever. I don't I don't even I don't I, I think my my voicemail is full right now. Like I don't I hate voicemails. Just tell me what you need in a text. Or you call me, we'll talk. But I I, I would prefer a text. Yeah, I'd prefer I prefer text too. But I will I do check my voicemail. You do check I mean I check yeah. it. Yeah. But if I it's always it's usually always like, hey, uh, give me a call back. Just text me. I saw you called or I'll call you back. It's fine. But there is a new phone a phone call etiquette. It's text first and never leave a voicemail. Uh, I am on that train. Heather Kelly is the technology reporter with the Washington Post and joins us. Heather, Heather good to have you. Hey, on the phone. Yeah, exactly. This is nice. Um, so what is the new etiquette? So I talked to, this started with our Washington Post interns who are all going to be Gen Z. And I started <laughs> asking the youth of today, like, yeah. what do you prefer? What has changed? And I also talked to some older people, some boomers about what their pet peeves are. And so the new rules are this. People are very mad at me for this. Um, do not leave a voicemail unless you're somebody I love so much that the simple sound of your voice will bring me joy. There's maybe three of you in this world. You better be singing me a happy birthday song. <laughs> um text before you call just to ask if I'm free and in that text this is for my mom never just say call me I'm gonna think you've been arrested yeah something's wrong you're you're injured like say hey call me when you can nothing important or be specific I'm not in jail that would be great um and and some of it is on the recipient too don't answer the phone unless you actually want to talk to somebody if you are in the bathroom don't answer to tell them you'll call them right back just just leave it be you know, it's funny uh, because I've had those conversations, too. I, I've said to my mom, like, look, I, I need if you're going to, you know, call me or text me, I need you to I need I need a, 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 a classifier. Everything's OK. Call me when you can. I, I need that. I, you need to get that out of the way. So what I, I'm interested to know that when you talk to the, the Gen Zers, for example, what, like the interns at the at the Washington Post, are, are they strictly on text? Like, do they at all want to even talk to people on the phone or do they just want to communicate through text? I can't imagine they they care for a voicemail either. 
Well, so no, everybody hates voicemails. That's universal. But they do like talking on the phone. That surprised me a lot. And I think this came out of the pandemic. A lot of us felt really isolated from our Mm -hmm. friends and family. And Zoom was like this new way to connect. And they do like phone calls. They don't like inconvenient phone calls. And they don't like phone calls that are just to communicate facts they could have gotten over a text. But catching up in short, they also like voice memos which I also enjoy, where you record your little monologue, your gossip, your juice, and you send it to the other person, and they can listen to it whenever they want. Oh, see, that's interesting, because I don't like those. So that that, A lot of it is preference, yeah. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt. How is the other other technology that you can pair with your your phones, for example, like watches, right? How how has that technology changed the way that, that people communicate? So this is really funny. I see this a lot in tweens, like the middle schoolers who have been given an Apple watch instead of a full smartphone. And they, they have these full on conversations with their wrists, like inspector gadget. Um, and they, they have no concept of other people around them or whether or not they're being loud because they're adorable and it's still okay. Uh, but if that spread beyond adorable children, I think that that's going to be a problem for society as a whole. Here's the other thing that I've seen a lot of uh, in, in, in Detroit. We see it uh, occasionally, but we don't really have uh, a public transportation necessarily. But you see it, people walking around. If you're in an elevator, people will be talking on their speaker phones. Um, and that drives me up a wall. But but how I mean, I mean, you're hearing essentially somebody's private conversation and it's very uh, loud and obnoxious. But but people do it. What's the what's the 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 take on that? Uh, this this one is also wild to me. Um, one reason that this happens, I think, is FaceTime calls and video calls are on speaker by default, and so there's an extra step of having to find your AirPods or your your plugged in headphones to actually have that conversation. So that's one reason we see a lot of those. Um, the other is that people are just absolutely rude. Um, I will make an exception for this. If you are having a juicy conversation about some gossip in your life, if you're having a fight. Come sit next to me and have it on speakerphone. <laughs> I I love that for me personally. Yeah, I it it, it is strange. Uh, half the time I don't really care, but but you're right. Sometimes it can be uh, a pretty interesting. Um, it, it is a very interesting way though because the the technologies have evolved so rapidly, right? Like even like the voice memos that you mentioned. Um, the fact that that's come about over the last couple of years, and 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 the younger. People like that. I, it's not. It's not something that I ever would have thought. Where, where do you think that this evolves into? Like the idea. Like for me, again, it's texting. It's calling. Don't leave me a voicemail. I'm probably not going to listen to it. Um, wh- where does it go from here? Based on what you've heard. So one interesting thing is that that last week Apple released new features for anybody with an iPhone 10 or later. You can get these and try it out. If you FaceTime somebody and they don't answer. <laughs> You can leave a video voicemail, and this is very much of the TikTok generation to me, where short videos are another way to communicate. I don't know how this is going to go, if people will hate it or love it, but I think that's something that we should watch. And then another thing they released is it'll live transcribe a voicemail as it's being left so you can decide to pick it up. Um, and I like to, to tell the youth that that was an answering machine. We had that in the <laughs> 90s. You've invented the answering machine. <laughs> Congratulations. What an achievement. Uh, Heather Kelly, good stuff. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, yeah, that's me. Danielle, what do you think of any of those? Are, are, are you on board with that? Is that, uh, again, I, I'm a text first. I'm a call. That's good. I, I tend not to do a lot of FaceTime unless it's like 
you know, my my parents or somebody, you know, with the kids. But for the most part, I don't do any FaceTiming. How do you, because you, you are of a younger mindset. So how, how, how do you uh, attack all of this? First, I go for Snapchat. Snapchat is my first go-to. Really? Mm-hmm. And when people don't acknowledge. Awful. Wow. When people don't acknowledge my Snapchats, I call them. And then when they don't acknowledge my call, I text them. I do a weird a weird pattern. So you're social media first. Yeah. I mean, hmm. would you call it social media? Snapchat? Yeah. Yes. Huh. It's not a text app or, you know, your Basically. phone icon. Basically. Okay, okay, but it's a social media platform. Okay, fine. So that's weird. Tomato tomato. That's weird to me. I don't think it's Brian's weird. on Snapchat all the time. Is that how you guys communicate too? Yes. Yes, I send him <laughs> videos all the time. And I don't have Snapchat on what my do you phone, do? so I've never seen one. Me? Yeah. I, I text first. Text I don't mind. A, I don't mind a call. I hate a call when it's somebody wants to talk to me for 45 minutes oh, about nothing. That's what I want If you do. call me, it better yeah, be something you Yeah, but do you, you know that, that that kind of call is coming? Mm, like, depending yeah. on who calls. Like, yes. are you know you got to yes. buckle depending in? depending on who calls, yes. it's like, And then there are times people say, oh, you should call so-and-so and touch base. And you're like, like, no. I don't have an hour to spare right now. Yeah. But I'm a text-first guy. I will call you. Do you leave voicemails? Yes, I will leave a voicemail. And it'll just be, usually the voicemails are to people that I'm working here. So I'm yeah. touching base. I leave my phone number. But mm-hmm. if it's, if it's I'm calling you and you know what I'm saying, like, yeah. hey, call me. That's what, that's what my voicemail would be. Okay. And we do, uh, we do FaceTime okay. with the grandkids. Sure. That, make, know, that makes sense. Yeah. That, not, that, not often. No, but that makes sense. But yeah. Y- your, your grandkids are around the world. So yes. yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no. Text, call, don't ever leave me a voicemail. I'll never get it. I'll never listen to it. Uh, 800-859-0957. We'll get back to more of your calls and texts coming up next here on JR Afternoon. All right, we're taking your calls and texts on the Michigan Republican Party. They had their leadership conference on Mackinac Island, and and the the calls that we've taken are pretty split down the middle. I mean, and I think this is pretty indicative on where we're at here in terms of the view and the and the vibe in this party. Um, Brian, you've got some some texts on this. Let's we do get have to a that. couple of texts. Uh, one from the 586 area code says he's involved. They're involved with the Macomb County Republican Party. Uh, last year has been very divisive in Macomb County. They said you have the Trump supporters and the never Trumpers. He goes, it's frustrating. We'll never win with a strategy like this, which makes sense. Makes sense. Here's another one. It says uh, the MIGOP. But it's not even just that you'll never win. It's that there's the the money's never going to go to the same place. Right. Like you're you're always. I mean, it's like a drummer. Like this hand's over here playing the hi hat. This hand's over here playing another cymbal. Like you're never in sync. Like I. That's the problem. Is it's not even that. You have two different ideologies. It's that all of the things that come with that, the resources, the attention, it never is going to be able to function in the same way. Well, and being Republicans, you think they would remember Abraham Lincoln, who said, a house divided cannot stand. Yeah. And that's kind of what they are. Yep. I have one more here. It says, uh, the Michigan GOP is not a boots on the ground party. They don't have a ground game at all. They need new leadership right now. It's a joke. Well, that's the that's the approach of Christina Caramo and the people that she's surrounded herself with. That's at least the mindset. The mentality is grassroots, boots on the ground, 
they feel like they've got a pretty good feel about how people in this party view the Republicans. Unfortunately, in a lot of cases, not all, but they're not the ones with the money. They're not the ones that are bankrolling your efforts. They're not the ones that are able to provide financial stability and not just stability, but financial prosperity in the sense that you've got a presidential election coming up and there's no way for you to provide cover for your candidates, at least today. Maybe that changes. Maybe they get an influx of a million dollars. I don't know. But as we sit today, they are in a dire situation financially. And this goes back to doing away with the the, the, the Michigan GOP headquarters in Lansing. This goes away. Uh, this goes uh, along with a whole host of issues. There, people didn't even know if they were going to be able to host this conference because they didn't have the dough. How does that translate to November, next November, or the run-up to next November? I, I don't know. I, I really don't. So the whole goal of these parties is to win. The whole goal of these parties is to win elections and beat the opposition. And they haven't done a good job of that. They don't have the financial resources that they had even four years ago, five years ago. And they're going to be in a really tough spot. The bind is real. And I don't know how they're going to be able to compete with the Democrats who have just coffers of money. 800-859-0957. Tom is in Detroit. Hello, Thomas. Hi, Chris. Hey, what in the world? Barack Obama knew who his enemy was. That was the Republicans. Mm -hmm. And they called them enemies. Mm -hmm. I don't know why Donald Trump gave a little bit of a hint when he told the uh, regards to the black vote, what have they got to lose? We need to hammer these Democrats. If you'll excuse us, they've been pimping the black vote for the whole history, my history in the city of Detroit, and they're getting away with it. They still get away with it. We need to have somebody to step up and tell them those Democrats are not champions of the black population. Well, Tom, here here's the thing: is I, I know that we tend to segment people, whether it's the black vote, the Hispanic vote, and 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 I think those can be good barometers. But I, I think a lot of people I don't I don't know that that people in those demographics, I, I don't know that they look at at a vote and say, well, I'm, you know, Hispanic, so I'm going to vote Democrat or I'm black, so I'm going to vote Democrat or I'm white, so I'm going to vote Republican. Like, I don't think it's like that. I, I don't. But but I, what what I what I think you're you're saying is that. The Republicans are taking their eye off the ball. The Republicans, they, they, they're they so busy fighting with themselves. You know, you look on Capitol Hill with, with the shutdown looming, right? You've got Kevin McCarthy and, and the Matt Gateses of the world and all those folks who are chirping in his ear trying to get this thing shut down. And he's, he's trying to not. And whether it's leverage, whether it's just being you know, decent, a decent politician and getting this done. There, there's these factions that are just chirping at each other and that are in each other's ears constantly and that are at each, at each other's throats. And, and at the end of the day, you, you're kind of on the same page. You're supposed to be. 
You're on the same team. Why are you fighting with each other? Find a way forward together. Then you can go ahead and 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 try to address the issues that, as you put it, these pe- people in certain segments. If you go and address their issues, well, then it it's not just a a democratic thing. I I I I don't understand why you want to take this approach. I, it's the same reason why I am against what Donald Trump initially put out in the midterms about primarying people of of the own of his own party. And you look out in West Michigan and it bit him with the Peter Meyer seat. And now the Republicans lost that seat because you went out and primaried him. And because of that, he had to spend important dollars. He had to spend important resources and time fighting off a primary, which he didn't even end up winning. And then come the midterms, the Democrats walked away with it. So I, I don't understand that. I don't understand the infighting. And this is where I, this is where I think the Republicans are today. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Danielle, uh, okay, let's do this thing. Danielle has been chirping in my ear all day about this Travis Kelsey. <laughs> no, I haven't. What What is the deal with this? Who cares? Uh, everyone. Why? Uh, because it's Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What do you mean? Because it's a, it's a pop star dating a, a football player. It's honestly, this is what I really feel like it is. Tell this me. Because I don't know. This is not a real relationship, I don't think. I think this is just so that the, the Chiefs, is it the Chiefs? Is that the team he's on? Yes. The red one. The, red, the Kansas what? City Chiefs, yes. I think it's just to bring the attention Lions to them. The Lions beat him in week one. Yeah, I think it's just to bring attention to them. I don't think it, it's real. I think it. he was being playful. Why, why, are you, why are you poo-pooing their love story? I don't think it's a real love story. I just think they're playing around with our emotions because they want to. But whose emotions? Everyone's emotions. If you're like a, if you're a, a you know, a nut like me, right? If you love football... I, I don't care about this at all. And in fact, it makes me not want to watch any of this. Okay. So the NFL. Like, even, I'm not going to watch a Chiefs game. Let me tell you something. Because of this nonsense. You should see the TikTok that I sent to you. Fox Sports did a little advertisement before the game on whatever day it was. And I think maybe, maybe, maybe a bunch of people care about it. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Brian, where are you at on this relationship, I, this budging, this this budding relationship? I'm not into the football, and I'm not into the Taylor <laughs> Swift. I hadn't heard about it till you guys started talking about it. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, Danielle's been talking about it all day. Dan, Taylor Swift's dating blah, blah, blah. Like I, date, Taylor Swift dates a new guy, like, what, every other, other day, something? Yeah. She's like, so, Here's how whatever. the love story started, okay? She needed a boyfriend to write songs about. And he was a. She hasn't been in a relationship in a while, has she? <laughs> and she did well when her tour started. Her and her boyfriend Joe Alwyn broke up. Anyways, here's Oof. where here's where it started. Right, the first night of her tour was at the Kansas City Little Stadium. Right, Travis Arrowhead. Yep. Uh huh. Travis Kelsey goes to the show. He makes a nice little friendship bracelet with his phone number on it. And went backstage and really wanted to give it to her. But then they never met up. He never got to see her. So instead, he gave it to 
her people, and that's how it started. There are videos of it. He went. He goes on podcasts talking about it. He's telling the world. He's telling the world. So she's like, "Oh, that was so sweet. I'm gonna give him the time of day, and I'm gonna go to his little stadium and watch him play his little football, and his and people are gonna go wild." Put your headphones on real quick. You know please. what a music fan I am. Chris. Ken Brown's here. Yeah, I love going to live music. I love concerts. Yeah. I'm a fan of dozens of bands yes i could not tell you who any of them are dating if they're in <laughs> relationships if they're married or single because i like the music i don't care who I, I like judas priest i think rob halford's married to somebody but i don't care because i'm not there to see him date somebody sing my songs for me please sir danielle just told me that Brown's down with taylor swift travis kelsey made a what did you just say a friendship bracelet with his phone number for Taylor Swift. Chris uh, believes that thoughts she gets on that. kicked out of the NFL. Can he, I was about to say, is there a way we can suspend him for, if James There's... Williams gets six for gambling, I think that's worth about eight for, would, for lameness. I would really like you to watch this TikTok no. during the break. See, you said three things that just don't go with anything I have to do. Not you, Please Mr. watch Brown. TikTok. Oh, good. Chris, you watch it. We got to go to break. Come on, wrap it up. Okay, I got to go to break. Travis I got I, We'll talk to Lomas Brown on the other side about the Lions, but I that's a, a first making a friendship bracelet with your number on it. He probably isn't hearing about that at all in the locker room. All right, got to take a break. More next. All right, welcome back. Big Lions win yesterday. And if you listen to this show on Friday, KB, I feel like we we had it all covered. Desmond Ritter stinks. Yeah. That team is no good. Well, they're okay, but they're not. They're not. A, they're not a good team. They're, they're an average good team. No, they weren't a two and zero team, but they're yeah. an average team. That if Bijan plays well, they can win a few games against substandard competition. Well, and the defense played lights out yesterday. Yes. Lomas Brown joins us. He's the color analyst for the Lions, and uh, and of course, uh, course, co-host of Sports Rap. Low, good to have you. Um, I've been told Lomas that I need to ask you about. Travis Kelsey and, and Taylor Swift. I, I do as I'm told. I, I hear you have big thoughts on this. No, no, I mean, you know, this seems to be the trend that's going on right now. You know, seeing big Travis with the superstar. I mean, you know, it seems like the sports pop star seems like it's starting to cross over more and more. So, hey, man. Hey, I'm, I'm with him. I'm he with he, him, he doesn't like need Bevel, he doesn't like need two superstars in his life, Lomas. Yeah, he doesn't need two superstars in life. He already has Patrick. Yeah. He already has Mahomes. <laughs> now he's just hey, getting greedy. It's great to be a Kelsey, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, things are going well. Uh, here's what I'll tell you that I saw yesterday, um, and I, I haven't seen this in quite some time. Uh, that defense is, is despite the injuries, you know, Emmanuel Mosley still hasn't played. He's arguably your number one corner. C.J. Gardner-Johnson out. You know, uh, this defense yesterday was, I, I think Dan Campbell put it, they played violent, and they did. They they absolutely cut the legs out of Atlanta, and they were, you know, I, even when the Lions were up 10, and Atlanta had the ball. It, it just never felt close because I felt like this defense was playing lights out yesterday and, and measurable improvements across the board from the first two weeks. Yeah, man, I would love to take this, just bottle this for the rest of the season because if we do, man, hey, look, the sky's the limit. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, the, and like you say, in the areas that needed improvement, 
if you think about it, coming into that game, Aline McNeil, um, Benito Jones, all those guys in the middle, those interior guys other than Aiden Hutchinson, those guys didn't have a hit sack. You know, any pressures on the quarterback. I tell you what, man, Aline McNeil, man, he reminded me of my former teammate, Jerry Ball, man. Mm-hmm. He, 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 I mean, he was penetrating. He was disruptive. He was putting pressure on the quarterback. He was jamming up the offensive linemen. He was making time. He was doing everything on the interior of that line along with the other guys. And you just seen it, man. Once that pressure on the inside got going, then those guys on the outside started eating. It started eating. Aiden, all those guys. So it was great to see, man. And those young guys, they're really, really coming through. We got, we got a bunch of good young players on our team. Hey, Brian Branch. I mean, it, it, this I, I couldn't believe they drafted him where they did. I couldn't believe he was still on the board. But but tell me this guy isn't isn't in the mix or won't be in the mix for defensive rookie of the year. I mean he, he oh, is yeah. an absolute stud. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think yesterday was his coming out party. Eleven solo tackles, you know, three pass defenses. I mean, he was all over the field. He made his presence known early and often in that game. And I'm gonna tell you him. Tracy Walker coming yep. back, man, the big hits. You know, it was just great to see a five-two Malafonu, him coming back, and I mean, it was just great to see those guys. Everybody on defense was playing downhill, and again, it's led by these young guys. Jack Campbell, he had a nice game rushing the pass rusher, and of course, Aiden Hutchinson. Derek Barnes had a sack too. Yep, Derek absolutely. Barnes coming off the edge, I thought was really nice. And they had Sorsdahl in the game. This is a guy coming out of Williams and Mary College. This is a low level, a low level in terms of of the 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 tier that he played in. Um, came in, played the interior, and and you know what, Lomas, for how difficult it is to play on the offensive line in the NFL, I thought he did a really nice job. I thought he held up really nicely. He was one of the first guys I greeted on the field coming off of the field, man. Because, I mean, I love the kid. I, I've watched him all training camp long. Like you say, man, coming from a small school and going in there, not just, a, you know, we lost our first tackle, Matt, Matt Nelson. Mm-hmm. Then you lose Dan Skipper. Then you have to put the the rookie course doll in there. Man, like you say, he did a wonderful job. The line held it together. They gave Jared protection. They created room for Jamari Gibbs. Jamari Gibbs, I'm sorry. And, and they really, really did a wonderful job, man, of helping kind of close that game out. But, again, kudos to the defense because the defense is the one that really, really won that game. All right, they got a quick turnaround. They got a Thursday night matchup in Green Bay. It's going to be a good one. Uh, Lomas, good stuff. We'll talk to you again soon, bud. Take care. All right, that's Lomas Brown. Uh, you know, and here's the other thing is, you know, no, no David Montgomery, real thin in that quarterback, but Jameer Gibbs stepped up. He's the 12th pick of the draft. It's going to be a big one. should be better with Gibbs I know. getting the carries. I know. And but Montgomery let's, let's get there. being we'll a get backup there. to him. I think well, they should leave Gibbs as a starter. Well, I'm with you. I don't mm-hmm. need to see, you know, Greg yeah. Reynolds anymore. 
No, but uh, unless it's an emergency. But, yeah, yeah, but I mean, let's let's yeah. get Jameer some. Carries let's get here. this game Thursday. If they get three and one in the first quarter, it's yeah, done, done deal. Yeah, I'm with done you. deal. What do you got coming up? Well, we're going to talk about we got Alex Anzalone, the Lions, oh, talking about the game. We're going to talk about um, getting medical costs taken off your credit report. Yeah. We're going to talk about the writer's strike being over, and when does that mean when the actors will get off strike so we can actually see new shows? Because it is the time you would start seeing I'm new shows I'm going to be very regularly. interested to see what this deal looks like. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know. Because, I, you know, I get the whole AI stuff. I get it. But, like, I'm going to kind of be interested to see what this looks like because they, they were on strike for five months. So it must yeah. have been – they must have – Gotten some concessions. I, I, I'm interested to see what the, what the actors do, though. Now. Yeah. I want to see, you know, when they come back. And how long is it going to take to get some new shows up? I'm tired of watching reruns of... Uh, it's going to be a minute. Can't they get something going in like a week? Uh, all you think coming back is going to be talk well, shows. Well, it's going to be talk shows. Yeah. It's going to be the Kimmels of the That's world. That's all we need is more talk. Which is great. Yeah, we need more talk. I've, I've had nice nights <laughs> without them. All right. Mitch Alvin, the crew, coming up next. It's going to do it for us. Have yourself a wonderful day. We'll catch you again tomorrow. Same time, same place.